This is Uncommon Profit. My name is Flipman Dan, reselling and side hustle expert. And each week we interview leaders in untraditional niches making shocking income. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get it. George Mevwala went from working an eight to five in the mailroom of a commercial real estate office to owning his own Airbnb management conglomerate that manages over 30 properties in Phoenix, Arizona, and grosses over $1 million in sales on a yearly basis and is growing rapidly. Please subscribe on Spotify or YouTube and make sure to share this with a friend who would love to learn about ways to make an uncommon profit. And now, George Mevwala. What's up, everyone? It is Flipman Dan with another episode of Uncommon Profit. And today we have a very special guest, my good friend, George Mevwala, here in the studio, CEO of Airbnb management company, Travitude. It's great to have you on today, George. Thanks for having me, brother. It's stoked to be here and just freaking love this, dude, I love this place. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mesmerized, man. I want to start hanging out here more. Hell <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. So um, tell me a little bit about your background. You're, you're not just an Airbnb manager. You have a history with real estate. Yes. Uh, so tell me how you got into real estate. So I got my foot in the door on property management, commercial property management. I didn't really know what it was, but um, the CEO, who's a good friend of my dad's, gave me a shot. And I was pretty much in the mailroom but I was in the mail room with someone who ended up becoming really high up in their company for a company that was known as a REIT, a real estate investment trust, American Spectrum Realty. So I kind of got on the asset management and learned the ropes and it was cool. I mean, it was like, you know, it was my first real eight to five going from being, you know, in our fraternity house, hanging out with the bros all the time to having to put on a suit every day and being an eight was definitely an adjustment. And towards the end of that, I started to realize my heart was in residential and I started to buy value added opportunities when the market was still a lot lower here. Picked up a couple properties too, in Old Town, Old Town Scottsdale, and I was like, I'm gonna Airbnb these. And that's kind of where it all started with, I designed them from scratch and transitioned them into full-time Airbnbs, two, two townhouses that I got a pretty good deal on. And um, we put them on Airbnb and like they grossed like over 30,000 a year each. And I was like, holy shit, okay. You know, at the time, you know, the operating expenses for the year being like twelve to 14000 So I was profiting right off the bat. And that's kind of where I developed, I need to come up with a system for this. And I started deciding that I wanted to grow that niche. And, you know, I'm not like a per se popular person on social media. I don't have that many followers. But organic friends started reaching out like Scott Harvey. Hey, dude, what do you, what are that? I want one. And then Nick Twine, you know, some of our, our even just our brothers in our niche started reaching out, I want one. And I decided when I transitioned over to residential, I repped them as the buyer's agent. And then also we just, they'd be like, hey man, I live in Massachusetts or I live in California. Can you just like manage it? And I was like, sure. So that's kind of how the Travel 2 niche started. And now we're up to 32 properties with three on the verge of transitioning right now. Um, and yeah, it's just been a wild ride of just organic growth and dealing with some cool people. Man, that, that's awesome. So. You started in commercial, yes, and then just transitioned towards residential, yes. and then oh, well, so out the gate, you you said, you know, these first investment properties, I'm going to turn to Airbnb. And, and yep. what year was this? This was like this kind of the early in on, right? Two thousand and 
Okay, well, I actually started, let me back up. I started with my primary. My primary, when I owned the three bedroom at Villaggio, I did that year one when, um, when me and my ex-girlfriend broke up, I had the place three, two other extra bedrooms. And so I started, first at that point, I was like, hey, I can go live with a buddy and rent it out during spring. So I had a successful run at my primary. Like, holy shit, I made 14 grand January through April gross rents. That's my mortgage for the year almost, just in four months. I need to get these. And then so that's kind of how it started with, okay, the formula of it leading to, then I found it partners to invest in those first two in um one being gotcha. a good friend of mine one being my sister and brother-in-law um those were the test runs of the full-time airbnbs but yeah this was back in 2015 and 2016. okay so um and you know there was a lot of people though that when i said this to they were just like you're fucking crazy <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. dude i'm gonna get all these airbnbs you're fucking crazy no you're not shut up i'd be like no 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 i'm serious this is the wave of the future and this is kind of like right before airbnb really like everyone knew what Airbnb was, but it was kind of like at first when like Lyft came out and everyone was like, what? The first Lyft? Airbnb wasn't really like popular yet. Right. It's kind of right when I got my foot in the door. Um, and so I kind of like, I've been with the platform. So I've seen the whole platform transition over the years and it's something what it is now, which is much more advanced than any other platform out there for vacation rentals. Um, now publicly traded and um, overall great company. It's just Learned still a lot to learn, but they're still a young company. So much, so much to good to come from it. But they, because of Airbnb, it opened up the doors to so many entrepreneurs like me that were able to like essentially leave their miserable eight to five. And I mean, by miserable, like I learned so much. I'm very appreciative from it. But I was on the clock. And actually, I got fired. To be quite honest, why I transitioned out of commercial? They fired me because I was spending. They thought on the clock, which it wasn't, it was always my lunch break, I was looking into other ways to get wealthy. Researching properties, how can I buy more properties? And because we were a real estate firm, this particular commercial company I worked for, I had a license and I was able to like still use it through our firm to buy stuff. When my boss got wind that I was like, my mind was going over here, which I was still doing fine with my properties, she didn't like that. Just a classic example of like, when you work for a corporate or any of these companies, they don't wanna see you ever do anything for yourself if it's not making them money, you know what I mean? And right. so getting fired was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. And, and and I, with pride, can say that now because at first, dude, when that happened, I was sitting in my car with my box, breaking down, like, how the hell could this happen to me? I did everything I was supposed to. I, 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 I participated in everything. I worked my ass off. All my clients loved me. I managed that portfolio of about a million and a half square feet. And I did everything I was supposed to. But as soon as... They saw me buying my own, putting my mind in the elsewhere. All of a sudden, you're not a team player and you're abusing your power and this and that. And and dude, I just realized that I'll never go back. To, I, I could never, ever go back to that. And I never would want anyone to have to go back to that control that they, they try and put you under. Yeah, that's rough, man. Well, also a blessing in yeah, disguise. Dude, I, I hear, I, I hear it, a ton from, from other entrepreneurs who... Who have similar stories where they're yeah. like, you know, I got fired, and yeah, but after yeah. that, it, it I, seemed I, to work out. I, I almost hate to say it because it's just like almost so cliche. Like I, but it really, it really did happen that way, and I really did go all in at that moment on myself and Airbnb, and like even someone like the first one was on, uh, you know, our our good friend Myers, Bobby Myers Block. He was there with me, helping, seeing me transition into that like a couple doors down, almost like living at that Airbnb at the time. I didn't have a girlfriend or anything, trying to get it perfect where I was like, I'm going all in on this dude. I was like, this is it. I'm gonna try and get 
personally as an investor as many of these, but also help out as many friends as I can too, or clients. And now, if we kind of like, we're like fast forward, we grossed over $1.2 million last year, and we're on track to do probably about 1.7 this year in gross rental income. And we've got over 32 properties that we oversee, and the sky's the limit right now. If we want to scale, we still haven't really kind of decided if we're going to want to scale it or keep it the organic kind of like boutique thing that we got going, which is working so well. Gotcha. So people approach you and they're saying, here's my property. I want to do Airbnb, but I don't want to deal with any problems. Yes and no. But yes, there's people that call on those, but more in my portfolio, every single property, someone who's actually, I started off as their realtor. So they bought it. I, I was there with them when we negotiated, got it and help them design it, furnish it, get it up and ready. So a little more unique aspect of it, I've been behind the scenes on every single project. Like for example, like both the Daltons, uh, Twyman's, a lot of these people's, a lot of um, in my investors that are even our friends started off with where I helped them as the realtor get it, as buyer's agent, then I helped them get it ready. For Airbnb, you know, some of them we bought them furnished, but some we will we'll come in and we'll furnish it. We'll use my wholesalers. Um, we can design it for a fee. Um, and get like, let's say it's like a two bedroom condo. I can get that thing furnished with TVs and everything for like six grand. Mattresses, comforters, fully stocked TVs, everything. And sometimes people, an out of state investor might be like, whoa, that's amazing. Just we'll go with you. We'll charge a flat fee to do it. And then I'll have my design team come in, um, which, you know, is me and pretty much my girlfriend and we'll go through and we'll get everything. We'll go to all the decor store runs and all that fun stuff. But all the Amazon orders, everything, we'll bring it all over there. And, we're kind of like the, you know, we, we love to do it. We're passionate about it, you know, so. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's been a cool thing, man. But, but we are about to be to the point because I get calls probably every month, one or two, where, hey, I found you on like either Bigger Pockets or online or that. Would you be interested in taking on our project? And I want to open that pretty soon. But right, right now, I like the organic feel of like every single one of these people is either like a friend or family or like a really good referral. We're just like a, like a, it's a real small little knit. And I kind of like that because anyone can call me and they're going to get a hold of me that day if they have any questions, any, any owner of a property. Um, and then also I still communicate with most of my guests. Like if there's an issue, sometimes it's not just our maintenance guy. It'll sometimes be me coming over there, dropping off the, the thing of ice or coming to talk to them about something and meeting the guests. And half the time they'll invite you over for a drink or just to hang out. It's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. yeah. So you have uh... It, it just explain a little bit about the the operation sure. of you, you you probably have some you know cleaning people and some uh, what goes into a business uh, like an Airbnb management company. So an Airbnb management business is you're going to need a full time maintenance technician. You need a full time cleaning crew. Which every time someone checks out, there's scheduling. So we have our monthly scheduling where essentially the the maids know every single check in and check out for all the properties, and it's a lot. They can hook up straight up to Airbnb. There's all these cool different systems. Like our maids can literally link up to our Airbnb. So they'll know. So sometimes people are like, how do you keep up if there's like an instant booking? Well, they're able to catch that and see. And then me and my maids personally, every Sunday we go through the next week just to make sure we itemize everything. Nothing slipped through the cracks. But so there's maintenance, maintenance technician and or team you'll need for any type of small errands. Anything from light bulbs going out to ice machines not working, garbage disposals getting clogged. To you'll need to have your vendors on hand. You know, you have a really good HVAC company, especially living in Phoenix, um, for the summer. Because when those AC units start running, there's going to be compressors that are going to go out. There's going to be 
issues that happen with units, even with keeping the filters cleaned every three months, which our maintenance guy takes care of. Um, so we have overseers who basically kind of go through all the work orders. We have, you can put work orders in for a property and mm -hmm. we guarantee we get those done within 24 hours. If it's like garbage to those or something, as long as it's not like replacing an AC unit or something. Yeah. Um, my assistant, which is an assistant property manager, they help with the platform and stuff. So all the messaging and everything. What's cool about Airbnb is you can have what's known as a co-host. So there's a host and there's a co-host. The host is the creator of the page, usually the owner, but also could be the manager. And then the co-host is the person you add. And you can have two co-hosts. So you can have like the owner as a co-host and you can have your assistant as the other co-host. When you're not free and like say you're in a moment you're on a plane or if you're in meetings or something, your co-host has all the access to all of those same messages that you get. And so if someone just was to inquire, like say right now, hey George, is this pool heated? co-host would immediately respond, yes, it's heated, or no, it's not heated, thanks, please proceed with booking. So there's co-hosts, which are on the platform, maids, which every good property management firm uh, in hospitality, especially short-term rentals, needs maids, need really good maids. You know, it's probably the most vital organ in the operation, um, if we were to say, probably the backbone or the heart. Um, you gotta have some kind of a maintenance guy who's ready to go out there and be on the grind just about any time because unfortunately shit happens all the in any time of the day um you need systems too you need um like when you it's, 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 when you get to like condos versus townhouses versus single family homes they're all different machines like single family homes are like their own mini resorts so there's certain things in those that will do differently than like a condo but like smart everything now is smart home feature like nest thermostats ring doorbells. Um, we even have noise synthesizers where we can keep track where like if it just goes up all of a sudden in the houses, we know. Okay, now we can reach out to them and be like, hey, the neighbors just said it was kind of loud, keep it down. And that does the trick normally. Noise synthesizers. Yes, yes. I'm actually <laughs> about to partner up. I'm working on a deal right now that might partner me up where I'm going to get a bunch for a very, very discounted price. But they're all controlled by an app where it will let you know suddenly if the noise, like, it's meant to control partying. Of course, yeah. That's the biggest thing that could take the operation down, which luckily, Travitude, we have a really good system for it where we really minimize it. Even just from auditing the bookings, we get sketchy people from, you get anyone sketchy booking from someone from Glendale? Hey, young kids. <laughs> uh, I, I don't do under, we, we for certain seasons, it's three, we don't do anything less than three night stays. Usually it's four night stays. And for some properties during some seasons, it's up to two week minimum stays. But we really try, we don't do the minimum one or two nights where, yeah. what do you think you're gonna attract? <laughs> right. And Airbnb's gotten good about it too. Like they stepped in and, during Halloween, for example, and they filtered and canceled every single one night stay just to like, you know, on the, they tried to really uh, minimize the wave of what we know people are booking these houses for, especially when we were dealing with quarantining and yeah. all that whole, anxiety that it was caused. There's even more people were prone to want to book homes to get away from, from just sitting around at home all night. Yeah. So man, the, the, those are some kind of cool tricks up your sleeve to, to, <laughs> to protect yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I heard from, from other Airbnb managers who were doing it on a smaller scale yeah. that, uh, number one, they say to have multiple cleaning people yes. because you know, That's one's cool. not enough. 
It's ne one's never enough. And, yeah, uh, one's never enough. So you obviously have a, a couple, but then uh, two, I, I hear a lot of people are using uh, uh, some decent amount of automation tools yeah. uh, yep. to either respond um, yep. automatically when, when someone checks in or so, what yeah. are those things so that you're using? There's, I use um, a MyPorter, which uh, it's, it's, it's a form of an automation where basically you can send uh, before someone comes, it will be like, so, so first of all, someone books, hey, Danny, thanks for booking. We look forward to hosting your stay. Then check in 48 hours before, hi, Danny, boom, sends the code, the location, parking spot number, and or if it's a house, the very detailed breakdown of how to get in. Then two nights in, uh, hey, just checking in on you, make sure, and it all sounds so, look, funny story if Scotty, if you see this, for the longest time, Scotty, because he's a coach, thought that it was me sending all these messages, Dude, you're so good at seeing those messages. <laughs> Scotty was automation. I should have let him think that I was like, dude, it's automation, brother. <laughs> but um, then the checkout instructions, which the night before will be like, so it will send three total, four total with the booking one, but like during your stay, people love it. And, it, right. and we have it all set up for all the properties. The only thing that we have to go into is when we change the codes, which we do change the codes periodically. So if any of my old Airbnb guests are watching this, they know um, that code is, we, we like to switch it up pretty rapidly. So we yeah. have smart locks. Mm -hmm. Right now, we have smart locks on all the properties, but I'm getting them all in tune with the Schleon codes, which we can yeah. change from our phone. Um, it's just uh, the whole like just going smart feature with them is just so huge. In yeah, that, that's great. And the, the manual pricing, I heard that there's something to help you like yes. price your units. Yes. So there's what's known as um, smart pricing on Airbnb, which is always very low. And then there's something known as price labs, which you can use. Then some people go on AirDNA and they'll do research. Me, I set my own pricing, but I turned smart pricing off on all mine, but I've also got comps from all the previous years. So what I normally do is I'll do research on that particular property based off of four other properties on Airbnb that are similar. And then I'll kind of find a determinant based off of like where they're at, where I think we should be at by the season. Because mm -hmm. if you look at it, like the way that rates kind of work is that, you know, peak season is like spring, like where we're in right now, where we're entering, you know, we're, we've been in it, but because of COVID, it's been a little bit softer. Like this is the Phoenix open week and this is normally our biggest week of the year. And although we're at 84% occupancy right now, which is pretty good, we're normally at like 92% for spring, but where we made up for it is that we've been able to crush it on our rates this year. We're still able to get pretty high pricing. Whereas like last year at this time, we were at higher occupancy, but the wave hit a month later when COVID interrupted international travel and that's when all hell was loose. But, um, but what's great about right now is that like, there's not as many people in town right now because the Phoenix Open limited the attendance but we're still like managing to fetch the rates that we were able to get last year, which is great because Phoenix Open is a big, big week for us of our spring calendar. Now we might get $800 a night for a house right now, whereas in the summer it goes down to like 279 a night. So it's all about, you know, there's different, different seasons for every city when you're doing an Airbnb company, like San Diego will, will, will break it in during the summer months. Um, whereas, you know, uh, Texas or Colorado will do summer months as well too because everyone wants to go out there and hike. Same with winter, um, people want to snowboard. So it really just depends, but like our slow season is summer, but we, 2020, we did great because of quarantine trips. Right. Now it'll be interesting to see how 2021 does. I'm, I'm actually very anxious to see if 
because of the vaccine and everything, how things go this summer, because we were at like 94% occupancy this summer. I've never seen anything like it. M me and my clients, we were all just stoked this summer. Like, holy shit, we're bringing in like six to 7,000 a month on these houses where normally they bring in like 3,800 to four. Yeah. You know, it was, it was really good. So, um, but yeah, dude, it's, 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 there's, there are a lot of like, like everything has to have, every good business has to have some type of system, but then there's also gotta be a certain amount of like personalized touch in it too. Like, like me, I jump in, I spend several hours a day. Um, you know, we get anywhere from eight to 20 bookings a day, um, on top of like coordinating and the coordinating, all that stuff's pretty easy, but it's more just, sometimes there's things you can't automate. Like when people ask questions that are a little bit more like, how far away are you from, like, it could be something silly, like Sky Harbor will have like a specific address. Someone has to physically respond to all those. Right. We have a response time that we have to hit and I'm at hundred percent. I have to keep it that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. But me or my assistant or someone, but it's pretty easy, dude. It's honestly, once you get it set up, it's like anything you put in the time um, and you'll thrive, but it, then it just becomes like anything else that you can put on cruise control. Yeah. So it seems like there's a lot of stuff happening to juggle in the process. Yeah. And on top of this, you're a real estate agent. Yeah. Yeah. On top of that. So, I mean, <laughs> I, have, I have a great support system, luckily, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm just... I'm blessed because I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm sure as you, anyone who's watching this can tell I'm super ADD, but I'm the type that like, I thrive off of, like I need to have, I can't sit and just tweedle my toes. Like I'll pick up a bass guitar and I'll make a song or all of a sudden I'll be pretending like I'm Travis Barker or all of a sudden I'll go into another dimension and all of a sudden I think I can like, like draw. I'm just like, I need to be doing something when I'm not doing something. That's why it's hard for me to like sit down and watch movies. That's why I love it. YouTube is the greatest thing in the world because I'm a short clip guy. Like I just, like content is everything, but like it's really hard for me to sit down and do nothing. So I, my personality, I need to be doing a lot of things at once or I'm like, like not happy. Yeah. <laughs> Plain and simple. Like so I'm not. With that being said, you know, you're, you're doing a ton of stuff. What does like a typical weekday look like for you? I like to start my day off in the morning going, kind of focusing on the Airbnb stuff because usually we'll wake up to like, you know, um, going through filtering any type of requests, questions, inquiries that are outside of the automation, which can take a couple hours just to go through all that. And then um, I like to go over everything with my assistant, just kind of like let them know what they need to do that particular day. Anything's outside of what we already planned for the, on the Sunday. We have a Sunday meeting where we go through everything with the cleaners and Basically everyone in it, but like, let's say it's like a Tuesday or Wednesday, something, things pop up all the time, but I kind of go through all that, get all that stuff out of the way. Then I'll go through all my like real estate stuff, usually by like lunchtime and like it, it, everything varies, man. Like last week I spent the entire week touring million dollar homes every day for my clients that were searching high and low. We haven't put one under contract yet, but we're like getting closer. Um, like all through the week we were looking at homes, which took probably 55 to 60% of my time from just all that goes into showing those types of homes from the coordinating, the, the, from the scheduling of those showings to meet, for actually meeting listing agents usually wanna meet you there, to getting in, getting out, takes an hour per showing, to driving all around. Um, that was a big part of last week, whereas I feel like this week, I've been focusing more on the, the Airbnb stuff, which has been great, because right. we, we have, this is being peak season, we have at any given time 30 plus reservations. And at any given week, we have a turnaround of anywhere from 15 or so, 
you know, ins and outs. Just mm-hmm. to making sure that those go smoothly. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I like to audit, or I audit my properties too. So my maids never really know when I'm going to show up and I'm going to come by, put my gloves on, walk around. And I go through that stuff like as if I was a hotel owner or mm-hmm. manager, like everything. I go through the beds. I make sure that the shampoos are lined up the way I want it. All the doors are locked. Everything's perfect. Just check on the smart locks, everything. No, like, like boogers on walls, anything. I go through everything, man. I've seen it all. So when I say that, yes, sometimes people rub their boogers on the wall and that is disgusting. <laughs> Whoever did that at one of my houses, man, shame on you. <laughs> um, but dude, I just like to go through it sometimes because sometimes these maids, you know, they do a great job, but then they might like leave a, leave a rag on the floor and like it could be something where the place is perfect, but then that guest arrives. Let's say like me using a real life example for one of my condos that I own in Old Town. You know, a little bougier guest just arrived. Place was perfect. They showed up, but the cleaners left, you know, in the cleaning rag, just right by the tub in the bathroom. It wasn't like a huge deal, but they brought that to my attention. And I was like, I've seen that before, once before. And it just kind of like upset me where I was like, I know what they mean. You walk in, the place looks great. And then like, it's just a little bit of a throw off, especially with COVID and everything. So I had to scold my, my maids again. Like, you know, that just can't happen anymore. You know, they got to do a final check. And they take pictures of every unit when they're done cleaning, but for some reason in this particular batch, they didn't take one of the bathroom. So it means they didn't go back and t- check the bathroom before they left or they wouldn't, they would have caught that. Cause we have full on checklists that the maids have to do. Right. Um, Cause it, it got to that point because they were making little mistakes. And I've had so many maids over these years that have had a crazy story was when I first started this, my, one of my maids bailed on me. Her car broke down. She didn't speak English very well, by the way. But her car broke down on Christmas, okay. Well, so I had to go clean. This is like three and a half years ago. I had to go clean that place and um, on Christmas by myself in there cleaning this place out. And I was just like, not, it's very hard to clean a place. I learned the value of cleaners at that point, man. They are, deserve every dime they get. I mean. It is not easy to wash those sheets, put them on perfectly, then wash the towels separately. Then you have to mop the floors, clean everything, scrub that toilet, everything. I mean, that day I got a lot more appreciative of, wow, that was when I learned, don't rely on one maid. That's why previous person, yeah. Multiple maids, always on call, always have a great relationship with them, but also you can't get played by them because they do start getting kind of relaxed with you and thinking they, I mean, my maids make like, 3000 a week off me in jobs sometimes, sometimes as high as that much in, in income they bring in. So, you know, sometimes they need to be checked on like, guys, remember you work for me. Like, I know you guys are adding a lot of value here, but when I find those same like, dr- towels left in the dryer, that was one that, that used to set me off. That's an automatic termination for, for, for Mevy. If I audit a place and there's towels in those dryers, Every maid that knows me knows that there's nothing that pisses me off more than that. Because <laughs> people don't want to come and right. have to fold the towels when they're paying 500 bucks a night. Yeah. And then, you know, there's other things too, but that's just one of those that I've told all my maids. And what happened, uh, when was that? A year ago. Where one, I told these maids that, uh, another maid company I used. And what did I do? The one, the one day I audited that one, there are those towels and they even wrote a note to the guests. Sorry, didn't have enough time. Towels are in the dryer. And I was just like, what the hell? This is not going to be associated with my brand. You know what right. I mean? So, um, yeah, but just having a high level of, uh, yeah, it just, know, dude, I delivery. just, I, 
it's there's so many like you said there's so many things that go into it and i i used to be a 4.9 star and i'm a 4.85 star eight times super host which is really hard to maintain but like i'm still butthurt that i'm not back at the 4.9 because we rely on these ratings, these these reviews, yeah. and I have over I think fourteen hundred reviews on Airbnb, and most of them are five star. But every now and then you'll get, we can't make everyone happy. It's very very hard, and I try and do everything I can. Like when guests have problems and they reach out, I'm I'm in touch with them. I'm I'm getting them what they want. Like one of my units today, an example, um, they showed up to one of my properties. We had an accent chair in the living room that got ruined from a pet that we had thrown out that she brought up to me was not in their living room. I mean, this is some, some extra stuff here. I was right. like, I'm going to order you a new one from Living Spaces. When can I have it delivered? Just mm -hmm. problem solved. Boom. She was super happy. Boom. Instead of being like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, my pet ruined it. Um, deal with it. I just immediately keep keep the peace. I'll order you a $200 chair. Have it delivered. Tell me when they were happy. Um, certain times people are going to bring up things or, oh, the TV I noticed was mounted and now it's off the mount one brought up to me one that i'm like okay well do you really want it mounted i can send over my maintenance guy yeah it was something that happened with that mount where we took it off and then we just put a picture there and i was like well just i you know it's very silly things or you don't have a um what's it called cheese what's a cheese grid cheese cloth it's something you you peel cheese with oh uh yeah cheese grater <laughs> cheese grater thank you Someone wanted a cheese grater, and that's not in our description of like the basic things that we keep in stock. <laughs> I fucking ordered them one from Amazon Prime and had it there that next morning. I'm like, are right, you want a cheese grater? This doesn't happen all the time. These are just examples of like little things that we can do. Now we got a cheese grater right. at that house to add value. It's, it's it, worth worth the purchase it, price it, it's for the, the, the stars. Now pe people start requesting, you know, uh, Rolls Royces to pick them up. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely, man. So yeah, it's it's. There's a lot of different like things that go into it, man. But it, it does, it does become your life. Like I'm, I'm integrated into. It. I feel sometimes feel like I'm, I feel like I'm there. Like I work for Airbnb. You know what I mean? Even mm -hmm. though they did some cool. Th I mean, they threw me a little bone this year when they went public. Though they let me buy into some shares at the IPO price, so that was cool. Right. Um. You know, they're 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 good to their host. You know, it's not like we've really. Reap like the corporate benefit like the benefits of like the actual employers, but just the right. fact that we're able to You know the fact that we're able to run our own business through their platform and People ask me sometimes kind of like because I have a website travel scottsdalearizona.com and I'm on other booking platforms I say about 80% plus on my bookings from Airbnb. That's mm -hmm. how much I integrate it whereas other um, Overseers of short-term rentals. They love VRBO, which is vacation rental by owner that platform's a little bit too old school for me and there's some things from it that they still need to advance before I start putting more of my properties on it. That's why mm -hmm. I love Airbnb. It's, it's a super, um, you know, shout out to, to all three of the, three of the creators and, you know, just what they were able to, the doors they were able to open for all of us. Right. So you're saying like first half of your day usually is dedicated to Airbnb. Yes. And then the rest of your day, you're, you're trying to get some real estate deals done. Yeah, that's generally how I'll, I'll spend the second day focused on that. And then I'll have my assistant kind of more on standby for any type of Airbnb stuff that could pop up throughout the day. And then all depending on like when I've had it scheduled, I usually have five or six properties that I choose to go when the, when they're, when the, when the vacancy comes up to go audit in any given week from my portfolio, where I'll personally go by and drive by. And it's always, I never let my maids know when I'm coming. 
Um, I call it the pop-up just to see how things are going. That's when mm -hmm. I kind of go through it. I bring my own checklist and go with this travel to checklist. I print it out. I go through it and make sure everything's up to par. Bottle of wine's in there, all access guide. Um, everything's set up the way that I like it. We got the little shampoo conditioners. Um, but then the other of those, I have my assistant running around and doing a lot of the requests and whatnot because that's you know, what he gets paid for. But then if we need to, it's something he can't handle. When we get a calls, those are where the maintenance requests come in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so first half of the day could be Airbnb stuff, kind of getting dialed, dialed in on that. Second half, dialing for dollars, following up real estate leads. Uh, any showing scheduled, I like to, unless some particular client, I noticed most clients like to tour, I think more in the afternoon to accommodate their work schedules. Even though a lot of people work from home now, usually um, showings are anywhere from like two to 7 p.m. Um, that window, so. Um, and I also like to, when they're like bigger homes with views, I like to show when the sun's coming down. It's a sweet spot, you get mm -hmm. to see it. Um, so, and then the, the party don't stop there. I'm usually, I'm usually working probably till about 8.30 or 9 p.m. every day. And then, you know, when I'm sitting around, I might, I might like smoke a joint and play basketball for a little <laughs> bit and then hang out. Um, so, <laughs> so that so this lifestyle isn't for everyone, man. Like you, it, you gotta love. You working. gotta love it, man. And you gotta have like like my girl. Like she holds me down. Like she knows like I'm on the go a lot. And like like you got like you. It's like not everyone would be able to put up with my ass. I'm gone a lot, and I'm I I I really want to eventually. My goal though, why I'm doing all this now, is that I'm hoping if I can keep this wave alive, that you know in five or six years, um. Everyone will be running these shows for me. I won't have to sell as much anymore. It will just—I mean, really—the residuals right now are very strong, just off the management. We're we're doing very well just off that. Most people would probably argue, George, you could go ahead and not have to worry about selling. But I love selling. My passion's there. And in this life, to get ahead, you need multiple streams of income. Absolutely. And like I, they go hand in hand together. A lot of and I work with a lot of investors, so a lot of like people find me and they'll do like. There's this, have you ever heard of Bigger Pockets? Yeah. Yeah, Bigger Pockets is like, I was kind of compared to like the LinkedIn for investors. I did some blogging on there a couple of years about when I started off. And sometimes I was getting like one or two calls a month, probably up until COVID. But now it's still like once a quarter, I get some investor that calls me or I get a lot of referrals, a lot of people who bought them and then, oh, their cousin's interested. And But when anyone's, we call them Airbnb investors, people that are looking and targeting Scottsdale Phoenix to buy one. Mm -hmm. They'll usually contact me and usually be like, wow, I found that you're really good with short-term rentals and I'd love you know, to chat with you. And usually when we chat on that first conversation, they don't want to interview any other realtors. Like, all right, this guy knows how to find the properties, where the locations are, how to furnish them. He's a one-stop shop. Well, why that? And the best part about it is they get to use me. They don't have to pay me anything because the seller pays me my commission. Mm -hmm. And then obviously if they want to go with the management, then we'd set up, you know, 20% gross of, of as a management fee. Um, but that's for full service Airbnb management. So. Got you. And is that pretty standard 20% gross? Yes. And it's pretty standard. Some, some companies will go up to 30%. Um, mm -hmm. It kind of, some will have a scale based on how much revenue they bring in. Um, and then some like I have for repeat customers, if you right. buy another, then it will go down like 15 Gotcha. Um, so on average, are uh, your clients making profit on top of paying for their house? Yes. On on average, the cash on cash net return ends up being about a 13 to 15% annual cash on cash return. And that's for now. And if you bought when prices were still cheap, 
Um, some are as high as 30%. Wow. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, you, so you put this money down, not only with the short-term rentals, are you getting someone to pay your mortgage? Correct. They're paying your mortgage, paying all your operating expenses. And someone like a, like a Scotty, for example, gets to not, so if you're an out-of-state investor, gets to stay in their place too, mm-hmm. a couple times a year, and it still pays for itself, and they're making money on it. Right. So that is kind of like, really the home and then there's some that are just strictly investors like my brother-in-law where they've only walked in our prop we've owned two properties together for three years they only walked in them once and that's the thing they're, they'll never stay in them they're back in texas when they come here they'll stay at a hotel we keep those booked and those are just strictly cash cows those are just yeah machines is what i call them yeah well um, that's that's great yeah no and, and and the whole idea of it is like i guess if we were kind of like House Hacking 101, there, there's some cool things about like being out of state where you can buy one as a secondary and it's totally legal as a vacation home and put as little as 10% down. Where then, so your cash on cash return will be higher because you're putting less cash down. Um, and the difference between 10 to 20% in an actual mortgage, really your, your payment only goes up a little bit more. And so you're able to then have put less cash out of pocket into the investment, more into your safety fund and then your, you know, your return is still pretty much very similar. Right. That that's what I love about because interest rates are so low. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I love about just in general everyone and not doing Airbnb, even just the the importance of buying properties right now, where, where we have these historic low interest rates. And while we're young, like buying buying homes that are going to appreciate, you know, seven eight percent a year, and you know, do just even having that one, you're going to have hundreds of thousands of equity in that eventually. You know what I mean? And then yeah. hopefully buy more and I don't discriminate against any properties. I, I, I love what I call like poopsters or, or stinkers. <laughs> anything that looks like shit, I'll, I'll buy it. Cause if, I can, if we can make money on it, there's, anything can be transitioned and right. we can turn it into, you know, uh, g- give me a, give me a slum, I'll turn it into Taj Mahal. But I, I, need, I need to have, I, it's all about the values in the buy. What are we getting this for? And right. so that's a whole nother topic though that, but you know, there's, it's just fun though to, Buy a property, put like some lipstick in it, twenty or thirty thousand dollars, and then immediately be up like forty or fifty thousand dollars on top of what you put in, which is just known as your equity. There's no better feeling, Mm -hmm. and then renting that out for profit. So, George, what advice would you have for, say, somebody who um, is a only has a a single home, like you know myself at this point, or is looking to get into uh, Airbnb short-term rentals, like? What advice would you have for to get them started? Great question. Um, I would say for starters, um, figure out what route you want to go with it. Whether it be um, Airbnb out rooms in your house, or are you looking to obtain your first investment property solo? If it's if it's rooms in your house, that that could be accomplished very easily upon auditing that property. Like you know, there's a I mean, I could even send over a checklist to anyone if they were interested. Um, you want to go through certain things and make sure, you know, when you walk this home, you got to walk it like, okay, could could my mom stay here? Could 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 my uncle stay here? Could imagine if someone was coming here of importance in your life? Could my girlfriend's mom stay here? How are you know cleanliness is everything. So chances are that if it's your personal property, that thing's gonna need a deep clean. Hell, maybe even two. Um, to get that thing ready and you're just going to have the certain things that get stocked up on like 
most places they show up, they're expecting some type of a coffee maker, whether it be a Keurig with K-Pods or just coffee in general. You wanna to wanna to have a little shampoo and conditioners. You're gonna to wanna to have, make it a comfortable place that someone's gonna to wanna to stay. Versus if you're gonna, the start to finish of buying an investment one is a lot more intricate, but it's very obtainable, very obtainable. And it would kind of start with just, you know, asking yourself, you know, am I financially prepared for this? Do I have the 10 or 20% down? Um, am I ready to take this on? Am I gonna to wanna to self-manage it versus, or hire professional management? That's, a, I think, a big topic a lot of people will go between because it depends yeah. on the opportunity cost of how much, what your time's worth to you. So, George, <clears> quickly, um, say uh, a person doesn't have their own down payment, right? Sure. And they want to use other people's money. Okay. How does that deal end up working out So, usually? if you don't have any money and you want to use other people's money... Just for the down payment, let's just, say. Okay. Um, would it be like... From a borrowing sense or partnering up? Well, I don't know. Walk me through what you have experience with okay. um, in the past. What I have, my very first Airbnb, I sweat equity. So I had a friend who was very well off and we had an opportunity to buy a property cash. That was the only way we could get it because then at that time, at that price point, it was very competitive and it's crazy to say this thing. We got it for one 56 cash. I think the property's worth like 250 now. This is this is like 2014 pricing, 15 pricing. But um, and I put a proposal together of like, dude, I'm gonna manage it. I'm gonna oversee it. I'm gonna do everything from managing the property to designing it. We remodeled. I oversaw the remodel, the getting all the furniture in there. I was even doing cleanings at first before we hired cleaners. I mean. Yes, I remember before we were laughing because we're getting you get recoverable money gotcha. for cleaning fee. I was doing everything. We worked out our own lintel agreement, which I'm a 33% owner in that. Now I'm a higher percent owner over time, but I didn't come with any money. Got you. So you're just gonna manage the yeah, whole process. Manage the project and then working out um, what's known as sweat equity, getting getting like finding someone and putting together some type of like operating plan where, hey, I'll manage this thing. Give me give me some skin in this game or I'll work it back over time. Because these things are profitable from day one. Then of that, you're not taking any owner's draws. You work something out where your your partner is going to take for X amount. I think for us, it was like for three years, I didn't see a dime. And then I started taking my management fee and or um, owner's draws in it, the ability to take them. So really, it would just be going with them, but you're gonna to have to be able to add value. Like immediately you're gonna to have to be like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take on everything. Right. That would be one way I would strongly advise someone is to kind of show them that sweat you're passionate equity. about it and sweat equity your way in. Okay, so that, that's that's super interesting. And um, damn, okay, so I've, we've, we've gone through a ton of stuff. Is there <laughs> yeah. is there any other pieces of advice that you would wanna leave people with who are looking to get into either Airbnb management or just Airbnb in general? I would just say um, a big part of it too is, believe it or not, is, 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 is having the heart for it. I mean, we all wanna make money. Um, be prepared to jump into something where there's a lot of different, you know, it's gonna be a, an emotional roller coaster. At first, you're gonna get, you're gonna have some highs some days, some lows some other days, like any business. But but the beautiful thing about it though is that it, it, the, the, out, the outcome is income you're winning. That's what I always say. And, and income doesn't just have to be uh, profit, which these are profitable, but but also you're fulfilling, like I get high off the reviews still. Like I love to read these reviews that are, they make my day, they really do. When the people go all out, 
I love sharing these properties with people and then setting it up where some people are already booking for the following year to have those certain February or March dates or April dates or it, it becomes a little community of your own little you know family and whether that be the people that you work with or your guests but your guests are a part of what keeps you thriving so just always growing and learning from what you get and don't ever get too butthurt over reviews like just learn from it and also some people suck and they're just gonna write bad reviews regardless but um, just always take 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 knowledge from it and um, keep on using that to advance in your system or or your Airbnb business. I'd leave it. I'd probably say that. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for your time, dude. And it's uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks you know, for having fraternity me. brothers, also yes, sir. partners in real estate. This guy absolutely crushes it in in all fields. So thanks, George. For thanks for your time, brother. Thank and, you for having me, man. I really appreciate <laughs> it. And stay tuned for more episodes where we talk about uncommon ways to make a profit. And once again, I am Flipman Dan. Thank you for watching, liking, and subscribing. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Uncommon Profit. Please subscribe, like, share, and tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. Have a great day. Music